is that clock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me, as always, it's the voodoo master. It's Luke Holmes. Very superstitious right now, aren't we, Graham? How mm, are we doing? Not too shabby yourself. I am very down in the dumps, very down in the dumps, but we'll get to that later on. Yes, uh, we're recording this not too long after the uh, French Grand Prix, uh, which we will get to later on in the podcast. But first, a bit of news. Uh, we kind of mentioned last week about the FIA's kind of floor changes that they were proposing for the 2023 season. We kind of talked about that last week. Uh, these have not gone over very well, as it turns out. Uh, initially reported by motorsport.com it was six teams but now apparently it's just five apparently Alpha Tari's no longer in this uh, in this article but it definitely was six mm-hmm. at some stage it did include them but anyways uh, the uh, yeah half of the grid is now in rebellion with the FIA in terms of the uh, the FIA saying that the mandate uh, this article I'm reading by the way is on uh, motorsport.com by Jonathan Noble and you want to check it out uh so basically, the FAA stated that it would mandate a 25mm raising of the floor edges, a raising of the underfloor diffuser throat, more stringent lateral floor deflection tests, and the use of a more accurate sensor to measure bouncing. So this is all obviously in, in response to uh, the porpoising phenomenon that we've seen so far this season, but less so of late. Uh, so understood that the core of team of outfits, believed to include Ferrari, Red Bull, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams, are pushing for an alternative solution with some questioning whether or not the FIA's claims about it being a safety matter are legitimate. So again, this kind of, again, we've spoke at length about the safety issue of, of this whole thing versus, uh, you know, just, I guess, overreacting to a, a phenomenon that we've seen in the first 10 races of brand new generation of cars. Yeah, they, um, actual it, bouncing itself has really phased its way out hasn't it it's barely even noticed it today i think it was only like two cars that i've really seen it on so the actual safety side of it and i don't think it's that much of a problem anymore uh, reading on here it says what is unclear is what avenues the teams have to fight the changes if the fai stand firm and refuses to back down from its decision to go for its more extreme version one factor that cannot be completely ruled out is a veto from Ferrari, with the Italian squad having retained its right to block specific rule changes as part of the new Concord Agreement that came into place from 2021. While it is thought unlikely the veto would be able to stop rule changes going through on genuine safety grounds, the debate is over is debate over whether or not the changes fall under the that remit remain the situation is not crystal clear. And this is the interesting part now. A number of teams are especially fearful that the scope of the floor changes being introduced by the FIA are playing into rival Mercedes' hands. And the tweaks both this season and for 2023 are being framed in such a way that they benefit, they could benefit the German manufacturer. There are also concerns that Mercedes has over-egged the porpoising problems that it has struggled to get on top of just so the FIA is forced to step in and change the rules. And one team boss said, quote, the changes are so extreme for 2023 because Mercedes claim that they have found 40% more downforce for next year. So they have urged the FIA to act. If Mercedes are, have genuinely done that, then you may as well hand them the world championships now. And well, that's what I was just about to say. That rumour of the 40% finding downforce, that is nuts. 
that's like a, th- a pretty much a third of the car already on top of that just chucked on top again that's that's ridiculous I don't know what to make of that, but I completely agree that Mercedes have over-egged, as Jonathan Noble's written, the porpoising problems. Oh yeah, 100%. They, they were definitely bad, don't get me wrong, but I, th- I think they've just sort of like leaned on it way too much. Like, obviously, Lewis was down bad with the uh, straight in Baku and stuff like that. And we, we, I accept that, that's fair enough, but... They've pushed it way too far, and now they're sort of swinging it back round so it works in their favour for the next season so they can be back on top. I don't think that's, that's fair, to be honest. Yeah, you, you say it's been that bad. Let me re- rephrase. It was bad during the first few races of the season when everyone was discovering what this problem was. Yep. It became less bad when they introduced upgrades, starting from, uh, it was Miami originally, wasn't it? But then yeah. Spain. The Baku problem is over-exaggerated because they ran their cars it, and they've gone on record at saying they were admittedly too low. So that's their yeah, fault. way too low. Way too low. So, yeah. But ever since then, it's ne- it's not been an issue. Like, and they were insisting in Monaco that it wasn't porpoising, it was just bottoming. Like, it, was, it wasn't porpoising, it wasn't porpoising, it was just the car was just bouncing. Yeah. They separated yeah, those two. You could see today, I, I was like quite surprised that it wasn't even bouncing a little bit because you could see it on a couple of cars, especially on... Um, Sciences Ferrari, you could see it bouncing a bit. Yeah, the, the two cars, literally... uh, two cars I found today even were Sciences Ferrari. It was mostly coming on the run to, to scene corner, really, more than anything yeah. else. Uh, Sciences Ferrari, and I noticed a little bit on the likes of stuff like Gasly's uh, Alpha Tari and you know a, a few instances here and there. But like that's, it was nothing. And you you would expect on a track like France that you would see it quite a bit because you get to about two hundred or so before you break. Uh, into that seven, that uh, that uh, that North chicane. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very rare, and it was just a lot of it was just, I, w- I would say, car dependent on how they've got that car particularly set up. Who do you think that team boss was? Do That's we, what I was just about to say. Do we think it's Christian Horner? Yeah, it's it's either Horner or Jost because I I think Jost is quite outspoken with stuff like that. Maybe maybe Benotto, I don't know. I wouldn't. I actually wouldn't have ruled out uh, uh, Fred Vasseur. Mm, yeah, saying that there's a lot of them that say any one of them could have said it. Obviously, do you know what I mean? Like Gunter could have surpri- said that as well. Yeah, it's, it's surprising that Alpha Tower have dropped out of this. Although I thought just because Red Bull are in there, surely Alpha yeah, Tower would be in there. It's it's odd that they were initially reported to be one of the six teams, and now mm. it's only five. I don't know. And then again, it's also strange that Williams are in there saying that they're in alliance with Mercedes. So obviously not as much as it used to be, but it's still mm. quite intertwined, obviously gearbox and engine wise and what have you. Yeah, so the five so, teams that are not in this are obviously uh, Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren, Alpine, and Alpha Tauri. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily for the changes, although McLaren have are very much in the camp that the FIA must not give way on these changes. Most of them have to, they have to follow through. There's an article about that on motorsport.com by Luke Smith that goes into Seidel's point of view on that. So Mercedes are for, or sorry, McLaren are for it. Mercedes are obviously for it. Uh, hence Aston Martin are also for it. Yeah, so that there's three straight away. This is why I sort of expected Alpha to sort of follow suit with Red Bull and make it a majority. Or at least half, anyway. Mm. I expect Alpha right, and Tari to be kind of in the middle rather than on either side. If it if yeah. their if their names out of this report now, yeah, I, I sort of think Alpine 
at Midland as well, where they're not too sure which side they really want to take because who who is going to benefit the most. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear Omar Safnar talk about this. I want to hear his quotes on it because, again, there, there's no. They're kind of on their own in a sense. Like they don't support. Mm. They don't supply anyone. They supply themselves. They're a work. Obviously, a works team. But obviously, they have no allegiance to Mercedes. They have no allegiance to Ferrari. They've no none to Red Bull really. So, I don't know. No, I, I want to hear what they have to say because, you know, I could. It's again similar to earlier this season with. Uh, I can't remember what topic it was, but we were talking about McLaren as a, a, a party that, you know, I'd want to hear their perspective on because they have the least benefit. Like, you know, they have the least to. Uh, to gain, I guess, or, you know, to spin or whatever the case is too. I want to hear that because I think they have got the same with, like, again, with Alpine, I just want to hear it because I think they have the most neutral, I guess, point of view. Mm. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in these meetings. Oh, I really yeah. would. It'd be so good. <laughs> just to get that inside scoop of what's actually being said and who's throwing a hissy fit. And so I want Netflix stuff. to be, man. Yeah. I, I really wanted to be in there for when the uh, stewards meet and drivers, drivers meet and got heated the other week in Austria and when the team bosses got heated and Toto lost his lost his shit and stuff like that it'd, it'd be great uh, there's quotes from Christian Horner about this uh, again it's on motorsport.com from Jonathan Noble they, they were the one to break the story I haven't really seen I've seen race fans do a little bit on it but not not to the same level but motorsport.com definitely broke this uh, definitely broke this story so this is what Horner had to say uh, I think the problem is that what they're looking at is uh, as, as a remedy for next year directive for spa it's neither here nor there for us i think there's an awful lot of lobbying to change the regulations significantly for next year so a certain team can run its car lower and benefit from that concept it's very and this is and horner's next quote is something that i think fred for has piggybacked on as well as for this this may be where his concern is from horner now quote it's very it's a very late point in the year to be doing this I think the president is doing the right thing. He's collating all the information. Hopefully a sensible solution can be found because it's too late in the day for fundamental regulation changes, which something like that would be. And then he goes on to say again, sorry, just before he goes on to say, uh, just run the car higher. It's easy. We haven't had a problem all year. There's only one team that's had a big problem. We've got some, we've got some of the most talented engineers in the world in this sport. I can almost guarantee you if we come back next year, there would be no car. There would be no cars with issues. With the last few races, it's looked okay. Here, it looks okay. So I think what we don't want is to do knee-jerk reaction. Sorry, is knee-jerk into an overreaction that can have a fundamental impact on next year's cars. End quote. Well, that's it, isn't it? There's no point affecting next year's cars at all when we've not even got through a full season of the problem yet. It's, it's very, very quick. Like, what, 11 races in? Was uh, the French Grand Prix? Or I th- 12? I think we're... Th- are we not 12 in now? Yeah, probably 12. 12 or 13. Yeah, I don't think we should be jumping to conclusions yet. There's plenty of time for stuff to be bought in, I think. The problem's almost gone. You have this director coming in for Spa. No, that's it. Do you know what I mean? I think we talked about last week that I think the upgrades that Haas are bringing are the last for the season because they're already working on next year's car. And I think Alonso was also quoted somewhere as saying that Alpine shouldn't wait too long to uh, start developing next year's car. There's work already happening for next year's cars. Yeah, yeah. There would have been from probably after the Spain upgrades, to be fair. Like, there's just the basic getting the car together and seeing where they're at with it. Like, got to get it, get on it early and get ahead of the curve. And we're about to shut down for the summer pretty soon now as well. So, you know, mm. work has firmly begun on this. So, again, I, I still agree with Horner that 
the solution is is in front of everyone. Yeah, you know, it is. It is is there. Just people are refusing because they believe they can benefit more by having the rules changed. Yeah, which is funny when it's spun back on you, isn't it? Oh yeah, like this this show. Like again, it, what goes around comes around. It, it really is. Like it's a hypocritical sport in in so many regards. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, you, you spin what best you can to to uh, for to work in your favor. Mm. Anyways, uh, that's yeah. So fascinating to see what the story that is. That's not going away anytime soon. Uh, Whereas yours, like your standpoint, I assume is similar to mine. Where you hope it's not brought in for twenty twenty three, or just not born at all. Yeah, anything that will benefit Mercedes, I, I don't want it to happen. If it's on safety grounds. Why we get back to the point where we're in Baku levels of um, bouncing, then fair enough. But if it's, um, and that's for every team, not just one, then I'd, I'd say fair enough, bring the changes in. But it's not. It's just it's just to benefit a couple of teams. And yeah, no, I just don't think it should happen. I wonder if, I know the rest of the next race is hungry, so this might be difficult to do. If this is a track like Spa that was next before a summer break, this might be different. But I wonder if Mercedes, now that they know that this opposition exists, would purposely run their car lower than they should to mm. stress their point about all this and to affirm, like, to affirm further for their case that you know we need this change. Look at this again, like, or maybe even they do it in Hungary. Like, look, this is a, this happens at a track like Hungary. You know, look, imagine what's going to happen. What's going to be like at Spa? I mean, it won't be as bad as Spa because we have the directive coming in, but. I wonder if they'll try, you know, the teams that are wanting this will try and bring it, almost bring porpoising back, maybe in a sense, to further their point. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Mercedes will do something like that to a point where they won't lose out on anything, but they'll gain a lot in the um, regulation side of things. Yeah, you lose a temporary battle to win the war, so the to war, speak. The war, yeah, basically. So, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be hard to do a, a Hungary, but if you did it, then if it, did, if it happened to Hungary and not a France, clearly that's, that's, that's manu- I think that would be manufactured. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, it's basically the same surface, it's flat as hell. And the straights are like, you, like will you even reach 190 this, miles an hour? 100? No, it's one of the shortest straights on the, on the calendar, that and Zanvor. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But again, this story isn't going anywhere, so we'll, we'll no. have to keep an eye on it. Um, should we do the French Grand Prix? Yes. Because uh, I didn't really have, if we any, have to. anything else. If we have to. Well, I mean... Both Jinx of, McGee. Yeah, well, you th- I thought it would be very interesting. You thought it would be boring. Oh, uh, I was correct, well, I think. Yeah, I think you were more right than... There was there was interesting points in the race, but it wasn't the actual racing that was interesting. It was diabolical decisions and well, the, poor mistakes and what have you. Well, it was interesting, and then and then I don't know what lap it was, but nineteen lap of pain when Ch- uh, Charlie Leclerc crashed out of the lead of the uh, of the race, which allowed basically Lewis Verstappen to win ahead of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell then completing a Mercedes double podium. Perez finishing fourth, Carlos Sainz driving from the back, finished fifth, Alonso finished a nice quite sixth in the end, uh, Lando Nars, Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Lan, uh, Lance Stroll then ending out the uh, the top ten. But really, it's, yeah, this race, it was going so well. Like, we had a great scrap out there from between Verstappen and the clerk. And the, it, 
I wasn't. Sh- I thought Verstappen would get by Leclerc with ease in the first few laps, but it wasn't happening. And the pit stops came. They didn't respond immediately to Ferrari. And then the second lap, I think they were about to make a stop. You could see the mechanics ready to take the tires out. So you could immediately ask the question: A, why didn't they just do the lap four? If they're going to pit the next, if you're going to pit, basically, you're going to respond to that. To that, to that lap because again there's nothing between the two essentially maybe oh the gap has actually extended about one point something seconds hadn't it by that point yeah it was it was growing and growing and growing wasn't it before Max came in but not by much we like, like certainly we were very very close on the exit but obviously then the clerk uh, we initially the, the radio seems to suggest that the, the throttle issue from Austria had come back but that's kind of been ruled out since then and it is just driver error and I can't I the sadness I felt when I saw that happen. A, not just, not just because we lost a great race, possibly, at the front there. But B, obviously, the title fight now looks like an uphill battle for anyone. Like, Verstappen now leads with 233 points. His next closest challenger is Leclerc on 170 points. 63 behind. Not impossible, but... It's Ver- a mountain. Verstappen, has, and Red- and Verstappen himself has been just too too consistent too reliable red bull you know maybe they could be they could be fragile later on but that's an astronomical gap to make up when verstappen is driving as well as he is he is as he is there hasn't been a race where max has been bad i don't think the, the only time he's been let down is when the teams when the cars failed him or he's drove over some curb and it's damaged the floor and what have you or he's picked up some damage from other people other people's debris max has been unbelievable in that terms in in that sense carrying on his form from last year where he was just not finishing third all season if you either finished first or second or dumped mm-hmm. apart from Hungary of course like the reliability from Red Bull hasn't really been an issue for Verstappen since Australia round three yeah you know he's finished, finished every other race then basically it was, he was lucky in Silverstone don't get me wrong but he would have got absolutely mincemeared Otherwise, if it wasn't for the safety car. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he, he's been unbelievable. And we, we lost an absolutely insanely close battle at the front today. I, I was quite disappointed, to be honest, because it, it did make the role, the actual race itself quite dull afterwards. Yeah, I had, a, I had the same kind of, a similar kind of feeling. There's a sense of sadness, too. I felt this at Singapore 2017 when we mm. lost Raikkonen, Verstappen and Vettel all in one fell swoop and the struggling Mercedes at Singapore just swoops in and just dominates really. Uh, I know Ricardo was there thereabouts, but I think Ricardo actually had a, like a water issue or something. I remember that race uh, that couldn't meant he couldn't really contend for the win, but it was just a sad feeling an empty feeling. It's like, cause we knew that there was going to be a, gr- a potentially great scrap. And look, I don't know whether if Verstappen, you know, if he would have, if he would have jumped Leclerc on the undercut, if he then would have pulled away, Maybe, but we well, we won't know because we didn't get to really see it. So, yeah, desperate shame uh, and just a sad sense, not just for the for uh, the the race, but long picture. Like you know, Leclerc, you know, they were they were good. There was good form heading in, obviously with a win in Austria and and a sense maybe that you know they could they could fight back. And yeah, it's it's so it's amazing how things change so quickly from one race to the next. If we went into the summer break and Charles had won three races in a row, we're looking at a completely different championship. Absolutely. That, that, that is some insane form to go into the summer break on. That is a lot of momentum. 
and then probably go to a weaker track for Ferrari to be honest but not two weaker tracks in fact it's not going to be a very good um, place to come back to after the summer break but once again that's the third time he's retired from the lead at the race uh, Spain I think they're counting Baku but you know Baku that he hadn't stopped yeah so mm, I'll give two and a half yeah it's still though that's that's a lot of points he's lost out on a hell of a lot and obviously Max being the beneficiary and winning the race does not help either oh no that's, that's literally your worst, your worst case scenario because he was the only one challenging because yeah obviously Sainz had to start from the back Perez wasn't quite on it this weekend so that was it like it's the safety car came out obviously for uh first and there was you know the pace for Hamilton wasn't there to to challenge according to Sky it was <laughs> we'll get to that though yeah so yeah just absolutely rotten for Leclerc he the Ferrari make enough mistakes on their own Leclerc can't be making any himself it's, it's he just can't it's you know, yeah, this is not an option at this point. This is, this is like when Max matured last year. This is the year that Charles needed to mature, where there is no mistakes. Yeah, maybe maybe one, fair enough. But this is literal. He's driving at his very best, and he even said afterwards he thinks he's driving at his best he's ever drove. But mm -hmm. mistakes like that can't happen when you when you lead a race anyway. And look, he was like you know he was the only one to do that. Do you know what I mean like no one else made that mistake? Uh, you know, it is just pure driver error. I'm sure the tyres weren't great, but others then carried them further into the race than what he would have done at that point. Yeah, hell of a lot further. Especially signs on the second stint. Mm -hmm. well, like Gasly finished on his medium to pitch and that's under that safety car that Leclerc brought out. Yeah, so lap 19 to lap 53 or 54, I can't remember what yeah. it was. Uh, I didn't think the mistake that Leclerc made at Imola was as a result of the title getting to him. No, he was pushing too much. I think this may have been. Because he knew Verstappen Didn't was he? in. He knew he had to push. He knew what it meant. Yeah, because based off of what that race, because from what I gathered off that race, transition was key. The aero wash coming onto the back straight. For some reason, this is the first time we've seen it this season. The, the, um, the dirty air seemed to come back, didn't it? It was quite a strange phenomenon where... You had to be within like four tenths to even have a chance of getting past on that back straight. I don't get it, this track. It's really weird. We had a very, we had a, probably the best, one of the better races last year was here, and then we get back to this to it this year, and it's it's back to square one again. Like I, 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 I look at it, and I think this thing is everything it needs to help overtaking to for good side by side action, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I don't. I don't understand it. W Series, there was nothing. F2, there wasn't really that much either. It was across all categories. You had to be within that four tenth range for ones. You're just not getting past. It's it's that that run onto the onto that back straight. It kills all the momentum. It really does. And that back that straight like too soon. Yeah, it does. It, it, you almost need that chicane to be an extra 150 meters further down. That whole sequence just there needs to be moved. Yeah. But saying that, they could extend the DRS a little bit earlier, I suppose. But hopefully we don't come back. Yeah, I mean, do you think that's it? Do you think that's that's it, the last? Literally, one it, it, it depends. It was between France and Belgium, isn't it? I've been saying this for weeks, and based off of that, surely, if it's a a, a choice of which race is better and pro provides the better overall action, then surely it comes down to Belgium because that always produces 
lots and lots of overtaking. Obviously, we didn't get to see that last year because of uh, uh, the weather, but in previous years, it's always been quite a good Grand Prix, I thought. And it's a favourite of many drivers, and it's probably one of the best tracks in the world. Mm -hmm. So, hopefully, it doesn't end up with us coming back to France and we go back to Belgium, but probably, knowing my luck, I'll jinx it and uh, we'll be back at France. Well, there's been talk of a uh, race at Nice. Oh, God. Which I'd rather just go back to Magnicourt. I'd love to go back to Magnicourt, to be honest. So, saying that, my dad was like, I don't know. And my, my dad was talking to me and he was like, oh, we're racing a Magna Core this weekend, aren't we? I was like, no, dad. <laughs> not raced a Magna Core for like 15 years. Yeah, I think 2008 was the last one. Yeah. Uh, Magna Core is the only, uh, the only other track everyone could go to. It's the only one that's got a license for. I, I disagree. No, no, no. It's literally the only track they could go back no, to. No, I, I disagree. No, no, no. It's literally the only track. It's the only track that has no, the license. You are, you, you are forgetting the fact that Formula E races around Paris Grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just go around the, imagine around doing the arc, that? Go around the arc oh, of Triomphe. Just God. Down the Champs-Élysées. So, you're going to get your fan boost. Stop. <laughs> You've got to go through the all of the Triomphe to get your fan boost. <laughs> oh, God. Just please. Please stop. Please cease immediately. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, I mean, anything else on that? I mean... Uh, this Ferrari shirt is going in the bin. Yeah, uh, this, this, this was not the winners and losers. Uh, yeah, I've, I've not much to say about Max Verstappen because yeah, there, he, there is. He it. drove the race. He did uh, had no real challenge really after the clerk uh, retired from the race. Uh, yeah, sixty six, sixty three yeah, point lead, gone. Was in cruising mode pretty much after that. Yeah, yeah, not much to say. He killed it. Like he did what he had to do. He's driving again superbly well. And uh, yeah, there's not much else to say than that. No, do we have to move on to the the team from Brackley? Well, here's the thing: they were going to be losers of the weekend for their absolute shambolic qualifying because they were, for all the talk that they were, this is going to be one of their best tracks of the season, a chance maybe to win. Were they over a second, around a second, seven eight tenths off? It was of at least pace? it was at least eight tenths at least. And you had you, quite... you had Norris splitting them in qualifying as well. Yeah, in the McLaren, that I don't think is that good. Even with the upgrades, and you had Hamilton right. saying that that was like he said he actually loved the lap that he did in Q three, and it was still nowhere near. Um, <laughs> race pace was a little bit better for them. It's always I think that's always the case. Seems like a, a better race car, doesn't it? Um, it seemed to keep up with Perez quite well. Well, yeah, but even that not you could that. argue that he, he had was he, off. yeah he was happy to get third in qualifying because he's not he's not been comfortable with the car at all, and that was clear in the race. So even if he even if he didn't get the bad start and lost to Hamilton, I don't know if he could have stayed there. It it just seemed like he was in a in a bad place. But that said, you know Hamilton earned second place, best result for him of the season. Russell, thanks to a bizarre virtual safety car Glitch. issue, uh, managed to just to it was like he was it was like he caught Sergio napping on the the VSC restart when they had to get in for a uh, Guan Yu Zhou's car. Yeah, that that whole virtual safety car thing was completely weird. Could you, could, did you see the part where they were both like sort of accelerating away, like they were racing, coming out, became on the back straight, and then going towards scene, and then Perez and Miles in front, and then George has backed off, and then George starts speeding up, and then they back off again. Because it, it was saying the safety car was going to be ending for a good twenty five seconds, and then we eventually got going, and Perez was just 
even responding to it on the dirty part of the track and George just absolutely did him on the round the outside yeah so there's an article on this on by um, motorsport.com by Jonathan Noble and it's uh, so according to F1 sport regulations the race is supposed to go green at any time between 10 and 15 seconds later which is when drivers are then allowed to start racing again uh a second VSC ending message was then sent out and the race eventually resumed, but the delayed trick and confusion for some drivers, which with Red Bull's Sergio Perez getting caught out by not being up to speed when the race got going. And he said to, to Perez, uh, it's a shame the virtual safety car interfered with the result. To be honest, it shouldn't be the case, but today it was the case. Uh, yeah. uh, the, mes- the, v- the message of the VSC ending was totally wrong. There was something going on because it said it was going to end coming out of turn nine, and it ended only out turn 12. The FIA said, said in the statement, a second VSC ending message was sent due to a hardware issue which led to an automated switch to backup systems that have worked exactly as they should in that scenario. The same information is supplied to all teams concurrently. The VSC ending countdown time to green light being displayed on the trackside panels is always random. So... Mm. But so, it, but it shouldn't have happened. Like it doesn't regardless. It, it shouldn't. And Perez should have kept that position. And I think he would have. I think he would have kept. Uh, I think he would have kept that from Russell. I think he had enough straight line speed to, to go for it. Well, according to Russell, that position was his anyway. Yeah, that's that was ridiculous. That was stupid. He, Absolutely ridiculous. Russell was getting far too far too moany on the radio about that. His own team pushed back on him. He it was a dive and a half. And wasn't in front, so I don't know what he was trying to say. Like, it, if you that, want that type of thing, makes me mad. If you want to talk about Perez moving slightly under braking, you you could Fine. you could have a chat about that. But the, that corner was not his. No, no. Perez had left the cars a bit as he's meant to do, and George had basically died for the apex, and it just didn't work I thought it was actually dicey from Perez uh, the, the movement a little bit movement on the braking there I think the door closed a bit but that's not what it Russell did. was complaining about it, he's, that corner was not his so no he was complaining of the fact that yeah, he was ahead when he just actually wasn't so the call to give that the back that position and then talking about you know the the literal uh, literal rule so to speak under the safety car or under sorry under the uh, for the corner yeah, he, he just, he just, it just looked bad for him. Like Julian Russell, uh, Julian Russell? No, that's not, that's, oh, not his, that's not his name. Julian Palmer is like, just get on with it. Like, just honestly, just get on with it. Yeah, and he's not wrong. The guy with poor duress was basically saying the same thing. Doesn't need to be moaning about it. Even Toto was like, just get on with it. Yeah, Toto was like, you can make this pass again. And his engineer, Russell's race engineer, said that corner wasn't ours. Like, we weren't ahead. So yeah, didn't didn't like that, and you could be damned assured that that there would have been lots of Russell complaining quotes had he not got the jump on Perez at the end there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh god, I was really annoyed when they got the double podium. I'm not gonna lie, really annoyed. Yeah, I, like and I said this to you, and I've said this before. Again, no one can say out of their own way. Like they. No one can say out of their own way. Fra- like you've, you could say Ferrari and you could, heck, we're going to talk about Ferrari soon. Leclerc crashing himself. Uh, you know, Perez's struggles fine. Whatever you could, you could throw that out away. And then Ferrari pitching science then at the end of the race. Uh, yeah, like you could, no one can say out of their own way. Mercedes are there to benefit, and that's fine. You know, but 
At this stage, you should be betting on one of the Mercedes drivers to reach a podium, even if they're not starting inside the top three. Because, the, again, the, the constant theme this season, no one can stay out of their own way. Red Bull can't stay out of their own way through maybe one way or another. Ferrari, more so. They can't stay out of their own way to their own reliability or their driver squabbling or something happening, a mistake, whatever, where so it loses them a podium. They can't get out of their own way. And Mercedes are on hand to benefit. And they did again today. So I feel like they're losers in regard that they thought they should have had the pace to challenge today and they straight up didn't. But they've managed to get a double podium out of it. The best result of the season. Yeah, yeah. So in that aspect, I had them down for winners. But yeah, the pace and all the hype and all the... Literally anything, any notification I've had from Sky about F1 has been involving Mercedes as the key title. Like, why? <laughs> Again, we, we said this last week. Yeah, we told you, have a look. It, it literally, Mercedes bounced back. No, they don't. No. They, they really didn't. They got the best result, fair enough. Well done. But it was because of other scenarios. Lewis was on pace. George's was just, yeah. George wasn't on it, I don't think, this weekend. And he hasn't really been on as compared to Hamilton since Canada? Yeah, basically. At least. But saying that, George was the better of the two for the first seven or whatever races. So Mm -hmm. it happens. Who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? Uh, I have split on science. So he's going to meh. So I'm going with Fernando. Mm -hmm. El Plan. In fact, you can chuck both Alpines in there, to be fair. A good result for the team on, on home soil. Ocon's first points at Le Castellet. Um, Alonso, eight seconds clear of everybody else. Not really challenged by anyone. Was sort of playing with the McLarens that he wanted them to get in his DRS so they could use up his tyres. Use up their tyres, sorry. So they would be all in back later on in the stint and he could pull away. And that's basically what he did, really. He did. There was almost 10 seconds at the end. Yeah. Just, it just go things in it. Just knows what he's doing. His start was unreal. Yeah. He didn't we didn't get to see George overtaking him for some reason. No, but, that just happened. Yeah, just, just one minute I was like, oh, when did that happen? But yeah. Just Alonso doing Alonso things and Ocon just being decent again. Not really putting a foot wrong. He was stuck from what you said to me. we didn't get to see this for quite a while. Stuck behind Daniel, was it? Oh, he was stuck behind Ricardo for a long ass time in DRS. Could not which, get which is could surprising. Because I I thought Alpine were good in a straight line. But I'm, I'm guessing just the the traction and like I said about like I said earlier the dirty dirty air and the aero wash coming onto the back straight playing a big factor once again. It just if you were stood there if you didn't get that move done within three or four laps you were basically stuck. Yeah, I, like the like the old regs. Ocon was there for a long ass time and he he didn't he wasn't very happy about it. Uh, wasn't happy. So yeah, he, and got, he couldn't do anything otherwise. No. Uh, eventually got the job done he finished 8th it was just kind of for Alonso it's kind of just a boring weekend he needed it really yeah yeah it's overdue for Alonso that so he got himself 6 points so or sorry 8 points for uh, for 6th place so good for him and between that double points result for them they move into 4th place now ahead of McLaren there are 93 points to McLaren's 89 deserve Alyssa and Alonso moves a bit closer to Bottas in ninth. He's still he's on thirty seven points as Alonso. Arcon is on fifty six. Hmm. Yeah, the the, the Alpine have sort of like firmly put themselves as the fourth best team. We said it last week, but 
it's, it's just confirmed now. They just they do have the four best car by at least a couple of times, I think. Hmm. Well, I'll give McLaren a win of the weekend for their double points finish. Norris had a good qualifying, yeah. uh, qualified fifth, slid, slid down, lost out to Alonso at the start. I did initially think that this was similar to Silverstone in the sense that whichever one of those two was ahead would be the one that stay ahead, but Alonso's pace uh, was just too much in the end. And, and it, it, Norris initially got within DRS and then fell out of it. It, it. I don't think it was like he was behind Alonso for a good number of laps. I, didn't, I did not think him getting in DRS was indicative of him being faster and being able to pass. You know? No. I do think those cars are quite even, and that could help explain, you know, perhaps. Ocon's uh, difficulties overtaking Ricardo. I think they're a bit closer after this weekend, those two. Yeah, it's not like it was before where McLaren was quite, I would say, quite evidently quite far back mm. in comparison. Whereas this weekend, big upgrade package and it sort of brought them a lot closer to them. Yeah, so a good result for Norris. And Ricardo showed good pace as well. Like he was with Norris for a good chunk of that race and he only finished less than, he only finished eight seconds behind Norris in the end, even though he lost position to Ocon. But Look, good result, good, good, uh, good showing from Ricardo as well, and yeah. I think they 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 look better after these upgrades. Which, by the way, they were they alluded to earlier in the season that like at Silverstone that they wouldn't be having much else coming. They brought a raft of upgrades to. It was basically a new car. Yeah, it was a hell of a lot of basically completely new side pods, a new floor, a lot of big changes. It, it did look a completely different car if you looked at it visually as well. So they, they deflected that well, so they did. Yeah, yeah, which is surprising. Mm. Uh, who else do you have as a winner of the uh, the weekend? I mean, I don't want to do this, but I've got to do it. Aston Martin, I guess, but not really. They sort of benefited from all the teams being shite. So, Stroll getting a point again. He's, uh, that's like his third time he's finished 10th this season. Get a single point. Probably would have been overtaken by Vettel if he wasn't so... Uh, so stingy. Yeah, I think play. he's. I think he shafted. Uh, I think he very much shafted Vettel coming at last corner. It looked like he just didn't want to get on the accelerator, and that forced Vettel to brake. And Vettel immediately kind of in throw up his hand, but he took his left hand off the left, uh, left side of the wheel a little bit, and literally he wasn't arsed accelerating hard out of that corner. He just did not was not bothered, and that's why the gap between him and Gasly was so close. That's the reason why he had to speed up at the end because Gasly was just right there. Because um, like you'd, you'd ask yourself like oh, what like you know why did Vettel finish just under two seconds behind Stroll he's on his ass at the final corner that's why Vettel was not happy he got off the throttle basically he just wasn't having a and then had to speed up then to keep uh, Gasly behind him so would you imagine if Gasly mugged him would <laughs> <laughs> um, have been his own fault but woman, he, I, yeah. I thought it was clever from Stroll to be fair but so, yeah, I think look, it was a bit aggressive self preservation like you I mean got it but. Yeah, I don't think Vettel was really. too 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 pleased about it. But look, their their race pace Aston Martin was better than their qualifying pace. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, fair play. They got one point. I mean, where does that leave them? Uh, <laughs> they are still probably ninth. They have nineteen points. Alfatari of twenty seven. Yeesh. So, and for Stroll, that puts him with a grand total of four points in eighteenth. Ridiculous. Only people he's outscored are Albon, Latifi, and Nico Hulkenberg. So, I mean, fair play, uh, I guess, question mark. But, yeah, uh, 
internal. Not the first two time, not the first time those two have come to blows. Really, uh, I think back to Monza last year. I think back yeah. to Russia. Uh, you know, uh, Stroll for some reason was very vocal on the radio, uh, to like almost a Raikkonen-like message, mm. and he's no right to do that. So, no. Yeah, I mean they got a point. Fair play. Their race pace was decent. Um, but yeah, I've 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 another winner, um, and it's a shame because he actually DNF'd. But I thought Nicholas Latifi was much closer to Alex Albon this weekend, and had a, yeah. and had a good showing. Did Latifi? Uh, he came together with Magnussen, which really ended his race. But and then Magnussen also had to uh, had to retire in the end from that from that. But. Uh, I also, before that though, like we actually saw Latifi making legitimate moves. He made one on Bottas. I think he made one on uh, either Schumacher or Joe, one of those ones. But honestly, Latifi wasn't too far away from Albon. And obviously, Latifi is the first time Latifi had the upgrades this weekend as well on the car. I really thought he was solid. We gave him a lot of shit. Uh, go Tifi. Go Tifi. But I, I really, the result the result won't reflect it. But I really thought he was uh, he was really solid and. The deficit that he was at compared to Albon, I, you know, you, I can't, you can't ask much more than that from the TV, for, in my opinion. So, you know, fair play. You know, give him credit where credit's due. The, the gap in qualifying was only like two terms. It wasn't a lot at all. And Albon's obviously got more experience with the new new design of the car. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but obviously likes the track and then obviously the uh, the new car always seems to suit him a bit. So, hopefully, it sort of gives him an opportunity to show what he can actually do rather than just flounder around at the back because like you say that's the probably the first time i've seen him overtake someone yeah <laughs> and he's been in the sport for three years it's bizarre i don't think yeah like alan's had it since like practice really in uh silverstone so mm. you know basically almost three weekends he's had it with it now even though the race went nowhere yeah yeah um Speaking of, I, I did look like I, I, the gap. You, the gap in general to exit a Q one was very tight. Like it was, a, it was a tight, tight affair. I did think I was. You know, we were both looking at the Williams, and they were looking good. So I won't give the winner of the weekend for some of that. But I remember I messaged you afterwards, and like I don't really care about their pace on Saturday. I want to see it on Sunday, and uh, wasn't quite. It wasn't there. amazing, but it, it it did seem a lot closer. I oh. thought they were. They were in the pack, at least. Oh, yeah. Like, like, look at, like, the general, like, here's the thing. The only car, like, there was no car lapped, really, in this race. Which was surprising, from, because of how long the pit lane is. Yeah. Like, so, from first down to Mick Schumacher, who was the last, because Joe's classified six laps down, but, you know. So, the last yeah. classified runner was Mick Schumacher, a minute 20 behind. You yeah, know, so we can, we can look at all these gaps. And Albon was only six seconds off of Stroll and 10th. Which is not bad at all, I no, don't think. No, not at all. So it's working. They're getting somewhere. The progress is being made because they wouldn't have been there in the race last year. No, oh, certainly not. So Sorry. I've got a few mares like that. Like, so I, th- I throw Williams in there. I did think AlphaTauri's upgrades looked better. We'll never know because Sonoda, the, their lead car, was taken out by Ocon. Uh, again, I mean, fair play to Ocon. He could have maybe had a crack at Norse, you know. For a P seven, he only finished four seconds behind Norris, just under four. Just sorry, so it's under five seconds behind Norris, and got himself five seconds for taking out Sonoda. So, you know, I mean, 
you can argue they that's a bit more hands to be had there for Ocon uh, still but yeah. you know but for Sonoda I mean that car was looking good he made it through to Q3 while his teammate got knocked out in Q1 uh, again yeah. Sonoda Sonoda looked like the better of the two AlphaTauri's all weekend that, those upgrades looked like to be working decently but we'll never know because Sonoda the car they were you know they were leading with was taken out of it on lap one so yeah which is a shame which it really is a good big shame because that it does look a lot better doesn't it it doesn't seem to be like an absolute handful like it was to in the previous races but the star man the driver that is on the same level as uh charles and max gets knocked down q1 again it's quite funny and we didn't really get to see what it was truly like in gatley's hands either because he spent so much of that race stuck behind albon that's that move you saw on the world feed was the culmination of so many laps stuck behind him he the first chance gasly got even half chance he tried to take it and that's what that move was on Albon. He eventually got by. And of course, he was running those mediums to the end of the race from that safety car that Leclerc brought out. So, and he was only five seconds or so, or less than five seconds behind a point for, uh, you know, for Stroll. So I do think those upgrades worked well. But again, the results aren't going to reflect anything of the sort just because of the race circumstance that actually happened for them in the end. Yeah, yeah. So throw them in there. Uh, I'll throw one for Magnussen as well because his race wasn't really reflective of what could have been either. He made through to Q3, uh, had to take the engine penalty, and he got screwed by the safety car as well and ended up behind all those cars that he uh, was trying because they they were the first to pitch for Haas and undercut the field. Uh, maybe in retrospect, mm. the two stop maybe wouldn't have worked out, but they lost out as a result because obviously uh, other cars hadn't really, some cars hadn't made their stops. And lost on the safety car, and got stuck in the DRS train, and then he came together with the TFI on later on, and that was it. Whose fault was that, by the way? Who did you think? Um, I thought it was a bit of both. I think Latifi could have left more space. Mm-hmm. I think he may have pinched him a little bit. I think Magnussen could have maybe could have backed out. Yeah, either go on it the was, curve or back out. Yeah, it was a racing incident. So I think. Yeah, I think six of one, half, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. yeah. Love it. What a, I love that saying. So good. <laughs> uh, I guess, do you have any other kind of either winners or in, in between? I have Bottas down as mayor. He didn't, I don't think he did anything wrong, but he wasn't amazing either. If you know what I mean. The car just wasn't there, I think. So he just, yeah, not, not much to say on Bottas, really. It's been like that for a while, which is strange. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that, like from Ricardo who was a minute behind Verstappen down to Albon on 13th. There were only eight seconds. And then Bottas another eight seconds behind that. Yeah, and I, I think that was the, the peak of that car, to be fair. And then he had made an extra stop. So there is that as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, mm. I don't have a ton of losers at the weekend either. The only one I'd really throw in... Obviously, look, Charlie you, you Leclerc, we've talked about really. And Perez, you could throw in here in the mix as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I had Perez down as a leader. Um, is this where we talk about the Ferrari strategists? Just Ferrari, Graham. Just Ferrari. Honestly, we can, we, I'm going to chuck Carlos in the mess, actually, because I don't think Carlos actually did anything wrong this weekend. Probably his better weekend in Ferrari in the Ferrari colours, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. It was actually the quicker of the two Ferraris, I thought, and looked a lot more comfortable. Obviously, he was taking the engine penalty after the Austria fiasco of his engine blowing up twice. Um, to start last, and was actually looking really, really good until the... Uh, Safety car came out for his teammate, and then Ferrari went back to uh, Ferrari old ways, didn't they? Yeah, well, you say he looked at the two drivers. Obviously, Verstappen, Leclerc took pole, was fighting Verstappen all the way along. Uh, 
You say Leclerc took pole, but Leclerc wouldn't have got pole, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. The toe obviously helped. But it was a, a big help. He was able to keep that position. He was, he was. But yeah, I, I think when it comes down to race trim, Leclerc's a different driver. But in qualifying and stuff, Charles just didn't look as comfortable as he normally does. Like, yeah, like that's... you know when Charles is on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he looked off it, but that was a three car. No. That was a three car fight up there. If Science was in the mix, he's he's yeah, there. Yeah, hundred percent. So hundred percent. Uh, yeah, like, and he was. He, I mean, he was actually he struggled to get through at first because he was on the hards, and like Magnussen was up to like the thirteenth, and they started. He started behind uh, Science, so Science was struggling a little bit, but he was making headway, slow headway. He was getting there, and then obviously the, the safety car was awful for him and for the hards. Anyone on the hards, it was just a really bad safety car time to come out. Because everyone then could just box the hards and go to the end. Uh, they obviously had to box Science and they boxed him for mediums. And him and Gasly <sighs> did that. I think I think Bottas may have as well. I'm not sure. But anyways, it was Gasly and I know Gasly for a fact and Science were out on those mediums. Uh, Gasly was able to make it to the end of the race. And I don't understand why you, have, you allow Science to fight tooth and nail with Perez try to come into the pits while he's side by side. He's literally going around the outside of Perez. I think that was delayed, to be fair. I think that was no. taken out of context. No, it wasn't. That was, was it not? No, that, it was, the replay, oh, wow. you, the okay. replay you got on the world feed was almost instantaneous for when it happened. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, that makes a lot more sense because for me, I was like, all right, that's definitely delayed. He's probably... This is probably from earlier on, like scene or something like that. But yeah, no, he was literally okay. trying to go around the outside of the penultimate corner, and they called him in. He's like, no, 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 and, he, and that's when that radio message came. Like, that's when he replied, no, 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 I'm not now, not now. He's literally overtaking him. Um, so th- I don't know why you allow that to happen, and then decide you're going to box anyway. And I, th- I, I thought, look, give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the tires wouldn't last, but then Gasly got his to the end. Now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this could be taken out of context, though. Maybe more really? was brought out of them from science to side, trying to overtake cars, and because obviously he had to get through, like Norris, Alonso, uh, Perez, you know, and eventually we'll go on to Russell. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, he went to Russell first, and then Perez, because obviously this was for th- third at the time. So, I don't know. Maybe there is nothing left in the tire. Um, but at that point, I think you commit to it. Like you've got third. If it goes bang, it goes bang. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's they were too far gone. That pit lane, by the way, that is another loser of the weekend. I don't know why they made it even slower than it already was. It's already long. Yeah. Why slow it down even more? You push it's, everyone towards a one stop. Yeah, it, it completely took the strategy out of it. Yeah. Like last year, the whole excitement of the race was the this how close the two stop when the one stop was. It was yeah. that's what made that race enjoyable. I was like, all right, surely Ferrari have done the the homework here. It saved two sets of mediums, whereas Red Bull saved two sets of hards. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be setting itself up nicely. But accordingly, we get twenty eight second pit stops. So well, total time spent in the pit lane. So it completely threw it in the bin. And then obviously, we forgot to mention that Science got a. Uh, Unsafe release, which was also terrible from Ferrari, by the way. Absolutely bottled it. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a, a five second stop go penalty. <laughs> Lol. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think. Look, and look again, play devil's advocate for Ferrari. They're, they've just seen one car crash out on 
worn tires. They've got another car out there. They would they would lose all their points. Yeah, uh, I think that's what they were thinking. But you know, they were too conservative, I think. That that's the type of thing where I think if that was Red Bull in that scenario, they take it and grab it by the balls. They and, go for it. That. You know, that's, yeah. that's the thing they do go for. All it. or nothing. All or nothing. It's they. I I think they could have cleared the five seconds because Checo was struggling at the end there quite badly, and if yeah. George and Checo were going out like they were. Like surely Carlos would have at least got P three out of it. I don't think he was getting Lewis. No, I might have closed up to him, but I don't think he would have had the tires and the traction to get up and get past. Oh him. no, I don't think he was getting Hamilton. And no, like here's the thing: you pit, you guarantee yourself you're not getting back up to third or fourth. You like there was there was no gap that was going like that. He was never making that up, and they and I think they knew that, which makes the question: why didn't they do it earlier? And again, worst case scenario, you lose. You're, if you if you overtake and you and you don't gain the five seconds, you finish what, maybe fourth instead. Of, I don't know. Mm. But the, the thing is, they could have just waited, and if it was that bad, the the VSC eventually came out. They could have brought him in if they really really wanted to. But they ended up. I, I said to you, they should have paid him like thirty seven and gone all out for it. Yeah, should have maximized the mediums in the first in the second stint, and then absolutely maximized them in the second stint. And I think they would have been close. Yeah, like fourteen seconds back like they were. Lest you forget, like the time he spent actually, the time he lost actually fighting Perez. That's the thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they probably lost four or five seconds doing that. And in the dirty air of Russell, he was there for quite a while. Probably should have, like I said, lap thirty-seven-ish would have given him a good, decent split of the strategy, of the stint. Sorry, and he probably would have made the ground at least made it interesting. If something happened between George and Perez, then. He could have been in there to pick all the pieces and get a podium, but mm. again, it's just ah, it's just Ferrari going back to like the the twenty 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 nineteen vibes where they just don't know what they're doing. They can't focus on more than one car, and when one car goes to shit, and they they completely mess up the other one. And it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think science. I think he lined up those moves beautifully. Like he let he forced him to go defensive out of the north chicane. It set him up perfectly to send. Around the outside of Russell, and then to set up a side by side battle with Perez. I think he he played those beautifully. I will say the weird thing from Science because he, and the reason I bring this up because he's done it this season. He's pushed back on Ferrari strategies, rightly. Once in yeah, twice, once in Monaco, which got him a P two when he was fourth at best, really, there, mm. and if not third, you know he gained a position from doing that. And he got himself the victory in Silverstone by pushing back against Ferrari's strategy. And I don't know why he didn't do it today because I think he felt he, I think he would have, I think in the cockpit, based on some of the radio messages I heard, I think he was happy to go to the end and I think he would have been okay to risk it. Yeah, I think he would have been up for it as well. I think if he'd have known the context of what they were trying to do, then I think he would have uh, changed his mind. But yeah, at the same time, you sort of, want to trust your team don't you but at the same time right. I think from now on I think he's going to be like mm, I'm not going to be listening to what you guys say because you just probably cost me a podium there well there's a there's a piece on motorsport.com from Hayden Cobb about scientists still having trust in the team with, with that so um, I'll read some quotes from science on the situation this is him speaking after the race um, so he said with passing Checo was extremely tough because the top speed of the Red Bull this weekend was crazy and had to invent a different place to do it and we actually made it that's why I felt a, it felt a bit frustrating when we didn't give it a shot to try to get to the end, but the tyres were very on the limit, I think. 
I'm sure when they show me the numbers from the data and the tires that they strongly believe that I would not have made it to the end. We have to we have to trust the numbers because it was what we it's what we base our strategy on. I'm sure they did it with the best of intentions. Obviously, when you are in P3 in the podium position after starting last, the last thing you want to do is box and get out of the way and losing seconds in the pit stop. Maybe that was why I was willing to take some extra risk there. But in the end, the team played it safe with the tires, which I totally understand. We'll analyze it together. So that's he's, he's what I'm always saying. He's been he's, he's taken a diplomatic road, but I wouldn't have blamed him for being angry about the situation. Oh, he's definitely going to be angry behind the scenes when he when he sees it back fully. Right, I would be up fuming. Yeah. So look, a lot to say on that. GG's for I. You, you, you're your own own worst enemy at, that, at times. You really are. Again, can't stay out of their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've Alfa Romeo's not lose the weekend. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. This track did not agree with them, but neither car looked particularly great. Uh, and then the nail in the coffin. That I don't know what happened to Kwon Yu Joe, but whether it was engine or hydraulics or whatever, but obviously retired from the race. Mm -hmm. So couldn't go a weekend without some sort of Alfa Romeo fail. Alfa Romeo failure, huh? Or crash. Yeah, one of the two. Mm -hmm. It's always the case. And uh, I'll give Mick Schumacher a lose at the weekend. Uh, track, yeah. track limits in cost of placing Q2, Q2, maybe Q3, potentially, who knows. Uh, he wasn't, he tried to fight it for some reason, even though the, the, the data is pretty clear on this stuff. Um, stayed in the car longer than he should have. But anyways, and can you even tell me what his race was? He got absolutely... Oh, he got yeeted by Guan Yu Zhou. You're right. Yeah. And then I'm guessing he had some form of damage and dropped back quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe's fault on that one mistake just driver error just lost the back end yeah just lost it just unfortunately Mick was trying to go around the outside it was a very brave move to be fair very brave because that, that has actually looked really really good I thought that's the thing like they've they come away with a DNF and P15 and I, I really think there was so much more there for them but yeah just, that... circumstance just worked against and though Mick Schumacher was in the position he was because of his own mistake Magnussen was not yeah it's the car that should have been getting into Q3 Got out in Q1, and the car that should have been probably not going out got into Q3. Yeah, like it's very, very silly. Aston Martin took their point today, I really believe. Yeah, there, there was at least one point on offer. You know, that, that point was for anyone to have. Uh, Sonoda, yeah. Magnussen, whatever. I, I full, on full on believe that car was as quick as the McLaren today on race pace. Full on believe it. That, that car was min in qualifying. Yeah, it was probably as quick as the Alpine in qualifying under Kevin. So. Very, that opportunity to get that third race in a row where they get double points has gone again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Oh dear. I I'm I think I'm I think that's it though. Like I don't have. I, I just else. have the French Grand Prix. Just yeah. Just not. Not not what I hoped. But am I surprised? Not no. really. Um. Not really. If you were to nail, if you were to predict last. Won a Paul Ricard? No, I don't think it will be. I, I think it's going to be Belgium that goes. I really do. I just, I just have that feeling, and I really hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong too. I, yeah, I, yeah. I hope, I hope it's the last one. I think, and also we'd no Gorilla trophies this year. Yeah, that. No, I don't we, get we, why. we'd a sponsor trophy this year with Lenovo, Lenovo, whatever it's called. Oh god! What did they give him a laptop? I did. <laughs> as soon as he got to the the uh, blooming podiums and saw Mercedes on it, I was like, yeah, I'm not watching this shit. 
turn it straight off. Yeah. So look, the one good thing about the French Grand Prix is the trophy, and not even that's an it. iconic trophy. We, yeah. We've said this before, but yeah. So the, the, if if we do come back, please do something about the bloody pit lane. Pit lane been, and a layout change. Always, You've got plenty. Always been, always been an issue with that pit lane. Whether it's the entry, the exit, or the speed going through it, just do something with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and just delete that blooming run onto the back straight, please. Just delete it. Pants. You've a million layouts. Just yeah. Choose a better one, please. If we're coming Make back it happen. Uh, race racing, I have ten. Four. I would have said five. Yeah, it is, it, I'll go. I'll go five in the middle. It was, yeah, very average. If without the George and Perez drama, I think it makes it a lot worse. And yeah. take Carlos out of that. In fact, it's terrible. Yeah, and we obviously we lost Leclerc and Verstappen as well. Yeah. Yeah, so with that said, uh, we've got a Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend. So back-to-back, but to round up the uh, to round up the, the first half, the official half, I guess, of the season. Um, mm. What do we think? I do think this is a good chance for Ferrari to strike back. I, this is a track where I'm like, yeah, this is Ferrari all over. Slow corners. That was their strong point in France. They were mint in the slow corners. So... I don't see anything but a Ferrari 1-2. They should be favourites. Uh, 2017 is where they famously secured a Ferrari 1-2 as well. With the steering issues, yeah? Uh, this is the one where I think they should have let Reitigan go, but they did not. Yeah. yeah, they didn't. They covered it off to help Bell, but yeah. So, yeah, I think Ferrari should be favourites here. and I think Red They Bull, will probably bin it. Yeah, I think there'll be some reason why they don't have a double podium. They should have a double podium at the very least, be... I'm well, sure. unless we get Bottas bowling 2.0. Yeah, I mean... But I'm, I've, I've seen the forecast and I'm pretty positive it's dry. Mm. So, But that can change very quickly, of course. But yeah, it's um, hopefully going to actually be a decent race because I do like the Hungarian Grand Prix. I like actual it too. Track. It's one of my favourites for F3 and F2. It's bizarre. I love it. It's mm. great. Obviously, we had a bonkers F1 race last year here as well. Yeah, probably one of the... Um, they saw one of the races of the season last year. Yeah. Oh, they're going to be hyping up Ocon all weekend, aren't they? Oh, God. Back-to-back <laughs> weekends of that. One year on. Ah, oh, look. Never mind. I do. <laughs> I don't need to see it. Uh, what are you looking... I'm looking again, I want to see what McLaren are, are like here, uh, how, they are, how their upgrades fare here. If Yeah. We're expecting big upgrades for... Um, more upgrades, I think, for... Uh, Possibly AlphaTauri as well, possibly. I don't know if they blew their whole load with uh, France, but... No, that was me yesterday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, sorry, not AlphaTauri, sorry. We're, it's it's Haas. Haas. We're Haas, we're expecting Haas. big upgrades. A completely new car, yeah. a completely new car. I'm excited. I want to see where it's at. I want to see if they're close to Alfa Romeo slash the back end of Alpine slash uh, McLaren, or if they stay where they are. Or if they if they, they if their upgrades do not work and they go Could you imagine towards Aston Martin and such? They've hyping up these upgrades that were meant to come for France and they've been delayed to Hungary and then it's their only upgrades all year. Yeah. yeah. I hope I really hope they get on well with them. I really do. So do I. It's um one of them where I'm like, if they don't work, then I'm gonna get the uh, black and gold has vibes where it just doesn't work and they just don't know what's wrong with it. You write off the car and come back next year? Yes. Um, at least, this, at least this year the car can actually compete. 
Yeah, yeah, with unless circumstances take out of their control. But I don't think this is going to be a good track for them now. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's but saying that they were good in in France, and it's it's not some Rotolu because the most it's the Barra Monaco. This is probably the highest downforce track on the calendar. Pretty much that or Singapore. Yeah, which is surprising with Singapore, but yeah. So, um, what else are you looking for? Is there any, like I, I, I'm curious Williams. to see Williams. Yeah, Williams. It's a track where they got their decent points all last year, and They're, obviously that's what the upgrade. Are. Yes, obviously the upgrade. We won't see more of it because we didn't really get to see a lot of it on the world feed, and I think they probably feel they could have done better in qualifying because that qualifying was a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. with um, times tumbling very quickly at the end of the session in France. So eh, I want to see if Latifi can sort of carry that momentum on as well. Yeah. Which is interesting that I'm saying I'm excited to see how Latifi does. <laughs> I mean, they, to be fair, like, they got their points here in fluke circumstances, but it started a little bit of a streak for them this time last year. Yeah. It did, didn't it? Mm. Well, I mean, the Belgium one obviously was a complete fluke as well, to be fair, in terms of I don't think it was a fluke because that laugh from George was absolutely nuts. But yeah, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been points in the race. I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, figuring out which way Ferrari are going to bottle it. Mm. I mean, that's that's every weekend, right? Or or which way Sky are going to spin Mercedes downfall? Yeah, I mean, I could I, I could expect it for France, given they knew there was going to be a good one for them. Well, yeah, I, I would have said Hungary would have been better for them. That's the thing. It's, maybe it will. Yeah, maybe because obviously top speed isn't that crucial around here. But I, I don't see Red Bull being that. They'll be close, but I don't think they'll be. Um, what's it on it like? Like Ferrari will be. Mm-hmm. Right predictions. Leclerc, Science, Max. Lewis, Checo. I am going to have Leclerc, Max, Sainz, Checo, Hamilton. Yeah, is it? I like how we're putting Mr. P5 completely out of the equation here. Yeah. I mean, I know I said earlier that, you know, there's no race where you shouldn't bet on Mercedes podium, but I'm going to, I'm still think that eventually it's going to happen where these guys will have a straightforward weekend and the results will do, will be as they should, which is the, Top top four teams, t- sorry, top two teams having their, their four cars in the top four, but yeah, yeah, probably not, probably not. But I'm going to try anyway. There's something strategy-wise where Mercedes will be going out and running it long because they've got nothing else to do, and then they'll be they'll slap on the softs and they'll end up getting a one-two because Lewis just decides to dive bomb everybody, and yeah. What I would like to see, actually, before we move on to uh, whatever we're going to move on to. Uh, Lewis versus Alonso 2.0 that would be fantastic that would be nice <laughs> uh, do I do a quick F2 recap there's not a lot to say about there's it there's not a lot but yeah can do we might as well we've got the F2 and F3 back in action for Hungary haven't we oh I think it is double header let me check about yes, it yes it is I know it is uh, Ashley's just texted me so yeah I know it is um, the, only, the only real massive takeaway I have really is that uh, Logan Sargent's issues cost him pretty big here yeah, it wouldn't have been the win, but it it had definitely been top four, I think. Yeah, so his momentum has been shattered with like that. Uh, the champ- the top of the championship doesn't really change between the points that Djokovic made up on the sprint after Portier's penalty. 
and then the points that Porcher made up then in the feature race getting a second place yeah so nothing really changes there the gap is still 39 points uh, Sargent obviously loses out quite massively in that so he drops now um, 18 points behind uh, Porcher again so easy come easy go uh, Deruvula was lucky with the reverse situation because he did not have the pace and that's why Lawson took the win from him in the sprint uh, Dewan complaining about the pits uh, to his team in the pits for not releasing him to be safe and then proceeds to crash then into uh, into Porcher which I'm amazed didn't give Porcher suspension damage that was very very close I am um, is honestly that after the um Crashed on the Saturday where Cordillo absolutely yeeted uh, into Fittipaldi. Then, uh, yeah, I'm very surprised they didn't get damage at all. So that doing threw himself a chance to contend for a podium. And one of the most random, like, well, maybe not random, because he was quite strong here in F3 last year, was Iwasa. But he won. He, we just got it took away from him. Yeah, dominant victory here in F2 this season. So... Deserved as well because he's actually been one of the, like we said earlier on in the season he's been one of the more of the surprising drivers because we were both like why has he moved up that's a bit early yeah oh he smashed it he took he's, he's done pretty, really well to be fair took Paul by six thousand against Sargent Sargent didn't have the best start and the Wasser was pretty comfortable so yeah smashed it uh, and I have really no other thoughts <laughs> saying that Rebel won all races we this weekend Deruvula uh, no, it Liam. was. Uh, oh, sorry. Liam yeah, sorry. Lost. Yeah, we, we would have been red, but either way, yeah, Lawson, Lawson, it was, mm-hmm. uh, and Max. Yeah, just missing pole position. Domination. Obviously, they don't have any drivers in W Series, and we're not even going to bother talking about absolution. Yeah, they, they that series needs help. That format has to change. It can't be that championship is comparable with Formula Regional European presented by Alpine, except they don't have push to pass to the W Series. It runs on the same. It runs on a. It runs on a time format, which it literally gets all obliterated when you have a safety car, essentially. And then you have, when you have two, it's out of the question. Um, no DRS, no push to pass. Uh, they you need they need reverse races as well. They need an extra race because one's not enough, especially when Chadwick is dominating like this. Um, and you it can't pass like a, this. It took a two corners, Graham. Honestly, I, I wasn't even intentionally watching it. I just had it on in the background. I was like, oh, I'll watch the start. Normally, it's, it's quite fun at the start. And... She started in P3 after getting a penalty in qualifying, which dropped to three places or two places, whatever it was. And two corners later, she was in the lead. It's, it's terrible. And she just ran away with it. Yeah, honestly. Six or seven wins in a row? I think that's seven in a row now. Yeah, that's dumb. It was done after round four, but, you know. Well, it's the nail in the coffin. Like, yeah. There just isn't anybody to challenge her. And I, I said this to you, they need to. The champion can't return if they've won more, more than one championship. Like, unless it's like an intense title fight, if they dominate like she is, where she's, she, that's a bit real. She's going to win all the races unless there is some exterior circumstances. Yeah, either someone crashes into her, or she crashes into someone, which I don't oh, know how, because, yeah, because if she's going to qualify on pole, then, you know, that's, it's it, really. Uh, yeah, it literally is. Like, there is just no way there isn't that many rounds left of that to be fair either I think, at all. yeah i think she'll win i think there'd be one race she doesn't win yeah yeah same there'll be something that happens there always is one race if she does manage to go the entire season under v then it literally just she should have been an f3 regardless 
Yeah. She had the money from last season. If she doesn't have it this season then, and Williams don't back her, then she needs to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that'd be my suggestions. Uh, change the format, lap count instead of time limit, add a second race, add a, add a, add a feature, uh, sprint feature race that they do for F2, F3, reverse top 10, and then, yeah. That, Just make it interesting. That's my, that's my suggestion. Because literally... I turned it on and I was bored after two corners. I nothing happened for the entire race. They couldn't overtake because they couldn't get close because they had nothing to get up close with, like the DRS and push the pass like we said. So it's it, it, it is only his second season, but there, there's definitely work that needs to be done. There were there were cars literally pushing each other coming out onto that. Like they had the closest that the F1 cars didn't heading onto that the, the Mistral straight, but they mm-hmm. couldn't do a single thing when they got there. Yeah, it was it was terrible. So really was. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I've no other thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, me either. It's it's something I needed to get off my chest because it was annoying me. <laughs> yeah. Because completely forgot about that. The uh, the IndyCar was is uh, is on this weekend. As we record this, the the first race at uh, where are they? Iowa. Oh, Iowa. Thank you. I almost said Ohio. That's not right. Uh, no. The first oval uh, oval quote. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not a blooming oval. It's it's uh, like an egg. It's weird. <laughs> uh, it happened on Saturday, and we recorded this like I, 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 half an hour or so before the the three hundred lap starts at the at the. Uh, oh, it's three hundred. Oh, yeah, it's, it's more. It's more this evening. It, was, it took two hours last night. It took so long yesterday. There was like, a lot of Saturday. cautions. To be fair, a lot of cautions. They are flipping quick. Like it's the second a car goes round. It was like, like Jimmy Johnson went round. I know you have to because, like, obviously you've got cars uh, approaching at ridiculous speed. So it's an instant caution the moment someone spins, that alone makes contact with the wall. But, yeah, for that, it took flipping ages. Um, what did you think? I mean, different to the usual IndyCar setup, but we got some yeah. decent strategy variants, you know, with the cautions between different drivers. I thought it was really interesting, even if... even like There's more side-by-side racing here than, I guess, I guess Indy in some ways because... A bit more braking to be had here than uh, India, and you you kind of get a bit more like I did like there's a bit more of a variety between yeah, a bit a lot more of the a lot more of a conversation between like do you take the low line do you take the high line like there was a there was a lot more to it this time around I felt like yeah because there was a, there was four lanes you can basically use it's like there's like grooves in the track where the tarmac meets and the low line is obviously the quickest line but obviously you're going to degrade your tires more. The middle line was sort of favoured by a couple of drivers. Then the top three, the top two were sort of, if you dare risk it, type of thing because of the marbles. So mm-hmm. there was only a handful. Ericsson and Jimmy Johnson really were the main two using lane two. And they were pretty fun to watch. Jimmy Johnson coming into his own and sort of having the race of his season. For some reason, he sort of laundered at the back most of the season because he's not an, a normal circuit racer. He's from NASCAR, yeah. if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. So... It was nice to see him up there and actually enjoying himself rather than being at the back and spinning out. But yeah, the actual race itself was actually pretty fun because you didn't know where everybody was because there was so many different line strategies. And it was just actually a pretty decent fight at the front, to be fair, because there was that much. It's, it's like a 30 second lap, isn't it? It's pretty quick, yeah. And we got to a point late on in the race where they were catching up to the traffic and it was having such an effect because there is no blue flags, really. It's sort of get through it yourself and it was quite interesting to watch someone in the lead of the race yeah literally take the 
take the fight to the back markers and get past them. Very interesting. Mm, it's like, oh, like he, oh, he can't take the low line because there's a back marker there. That, that will favor willpower or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, the interesting thing is like, if you didn't want to do too much on your tires yesterday, like on Saturday, because that affects your, your you've got tire stuff for Sunday as well. So you'd be careful. Yeah. And they probably came into pits five, six times. Some probably. Yeah. And you lose like a lap or two when you pitch. So. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You can't be in there for too long. That, mm. that pit lane is dodgy, by the way. Very dodgy. Not quite yeah, a Toronto not... dodgy, but. Yeah, not much more you can really do with it, though, because they've literally got the gap in the middle of the track. But, yeah, it, I, I quite enjoyed it, to be fair. And yeah. I didn't, I'm not a massive fan of oval racing, to be honest, but it's growing on me. Really enjoyed the Indy 500. And then this the race one was actually pretty fun as well, to be fair. So I'm really looking forward to race two. Our, uh, our boy Pato Ward did well. Did well to finish second. Uh, yeah, Cthulhu. top three of New Garden. Mm-hmm. Pato and uh, Will Power. Yeah, that was the top three. Uh, I thought Callum Eilat did pretty well. Uh, rookies do seem yeah. to quite struggle with uh, oval racing, un- understandably. Yeah, yeah, especially someone that's not been like, who's like David Malukas, who's been around Indy Lies and stuff. Someone who's literally been chucked in the deep end like Callum has, where he does, mm. he's done European racing all, all his career. Yeah, it, so. it really is baptism by fire for for Eilat. I think he's handled it super well, especially a team that only has one car. I yeah, hope someone... Longard, mm. to be fair. I think Eilat's adapted better than Lungard has overall. I agree, but Lungard's sort of come good these last few races. Yeah, he has. There, so, yeah, I think they both get into groups with it a lot more mm. and they're coming a lot more in, intertwined with the paddock as well, I think. So, they're I, quite fun to watch on the on Twitter. I hope that Eilat gets a shot with a team that has a lot more IndyCar experience than the team he's with. Yeah, Junkos, obviously, like you said, just run the one car, so they're not really, they're the like, Minardi, Minnow type thing for IndyCar and there is obviously big debate going on like we mentioned last week with the Pelot situation which is going to lawyers by the way Yeah, if you didn't hear that on uh, on the feed um, so there could be as I mentioned again last week there's a couple big seats available if things go a certain way and surely someone like Arlott has to be in the frame for one of them because he's doing mad things in the car that shouldn't be really where it is Who does Belucas strive for? I want to say Maya Shank, okay. but I could be wrong. Let me get the De- Indicar wrap open. Decent, decent, decent team then. Um, yeah, it's, it's not bad. The longer the season goes, the, the more confusing. Like, I don't know, I'm just, like, we're just casual, like, I guess casual Indicar fans, you know, where we mm. like watching it. We wouldn't be in depth about it and we wouldn't half know about it. So, you know, there there's a certain degree of we don't quite know what we're talking about because, uh, you know, we only, we're only getting into it. By the way, speaking of, Alonso has some interesting comments, didn't he, about F1's basically Netflix fan base. Yes, that was quite interesting. Um, I mean, you both completely have correct. Opinion. Yeah, it's, he's completely right. Yeah, he's so right. Uh, the Yeah, that, that Kyle Kirkwood thing to Andretti becoming more and more confusing to me. He's not bad, but I, I think it's just because he's American and it's Andretti and yeah, he's sort of, um, what's it? You, you say Callum's been the better of the two out of him and Lungard, but Lungard's got 203 points, whereas Arlott's got 131. Is in the rookie standings, yeah? This is just in the standings overall. How many points are given out? I don't know. I think there must there, there is a rookie, I think there is a rookie standing. Uh, Bearing in mind, points. Lungard actually finished the 500, whereas Callum didn't. So it was double points. There is that. So, that probably doesn't help. I think but. the rookie points are separate because I'm pretty sure the Indy... I, I feel like the IndyCar leaders are on 200-something points themselves. 
The indie leaders, Ericsson's on 375. Oh, that could be wrong. Yeah. Then. No, <laughs> how can you be on 375 points but won one race? But yet the guy in second, who's won four races, is on 360. Scott Dixon, right? <laughs> Joseph Newgarden. Oh, Newgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Grosjean probably had his best over race. Got on very yeah. well. It, he was kind of like 15th, kind of, you know, at the start, really. He wasn't anywhere, really. I was convinced Ericsson's going to win that race. He was tearing through that field. And then if it wasn't so many cautions, he may have had a better chance. But And then he pretty much saved himself from going in the wall and sort of backed off quite a bit, I think, mm. after that, because that line looked a bit dodgy. Unless you were Jimmy Johnson and you were just sending it for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And then he just didn't care. Then Rose and Quiz stuffed it. Yeah, yeah. It's. Them cars are on the rail, on rails around there like that. You've got to be. You and have to. They're very light, very light at the rear. And if one twitch and you're in the barrier, pretty much, there's nothing you can really do. Someone When someone like a carpenter is a, who literally just races the ovals, <laughs> bins it, you know it's it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Don't understand that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, interesting balance within, like, like, the, like, you could be, like, they're talking about, like, 20 or 30 miles an hour slower, depending on the tyre wear. Yeah, no, that's not what they were saying about Polo because he was fighting for the podium at one point, wasn't he? And then suddenly the the average was like 170 miles an hour for a good lap. And then Polo on the last laps was doing 130 because the tyres just died. They had to do a massive stint did on those tyres at the end. Did he sneak the podium off Will Power in the end? No, Will Power be close. finished it. And then he starts on pole again today mm-hmm. for race two. Do you know, they just... like. Pasha and um, Newgarden just tore away from that group in the end. Like they, yeah, were, they were gone like 19 seconds, wasn't they? They were, they were right, like Polo and Power were right there. And Bear in mind there was a caution not long before the last 30 laps or so. And it's like I said, it's only 30 second lap. So they built quite a big gap. Yeah, it's amazing how that worked. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the, again, the race will have happened by the time this goes out. But yeah, really, really fun. So... I didn't, I didn't have any other real thoughts that I remember off the top of my head, unless you have any more. No, no, I've, li- I've literally waffled enough. <laughs> yeah. So, we should now proceed to your uh, to our um, normally scheduled outro. But uh, there you go. That's, that's another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. I've been Graham. I've been Jinx McGee. Yep, well done. For reference, you wore your Leclerc Ferrari top today. Yes, I wore my Guan Yu Joe one at Silverstone, and then I wore my max one good grief I didn't realise you'd won your Joe one at Silverstone wow mm-hmm. well. so next week I'm wearing my Red Bull one <laughs> Ferrari Red fans Bull can only hope with, with my Mercedes hat so yeah let's do it yeah they can only hope and uh, we shall see you next week <laughs>